Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I obviously knocked myself out, chipped a couple of teeth, I broke my C4 vertebrae, I dislocated my shoulder, I broke my left foot, and then I had I got this third degree burn on my leg here. That was actually quite good, can I take that corner, and I just isolate that, put it all together, like a sort of Beatles best of, you know. Just after Silverstone, we were in an after party and there was an F1 driver in the corner, he just paid for his whole table, it was just like, great, yeah, sweet. These guys in waistcoats usually come out with a card machine and basically just start prodding you with it, and you're just like, oh, fuck. Bear in mind, like the total bill would tell you, what is it, like one and a half, two thousand, maybe like three and a half thousand. <laughs> hey, where's Novalax? <laughs> <laughs> That's not, you don't even do it again and don't shout Jesus. that much. You don't like it? H. No. Christ. <laughs> okay, I'll go again. Ladies and gents, welcome back to Pit Stop. <laughs> That's good. That was nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. We've got another guest today, guys. It's been a minute, but we've got a guest, a dear friend of ours, who I think it's been a long time coming for him to come on the pod. I'm excited about this episode. We've spoke about it for a while. We've spoke about how we would love to do this episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, James Harvey Blair. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you like, for joining it's been us. A while. Yeah, yeah, joining in your lovely abode. That's um, well, it's been the same of all of them, right? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. has always been the podcast setup. It hasn't changed too much, has it? Just the background. No, we got a few things in the background. Had a little bit of a reshuffle. You got a brand new sign that you've just put in. Up. Yeah, brand new Ford service sign. It's, you probably don't hear this a lot, but it's much bigger than it looks like on the internet. Really? So, yeah. Really? Yeah. No, it's definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty serious setup you got going over oh, here. It's just that so kitchen much. there, lovely clean kitchen. It's nice. How are you, mate? How are things? Good. Good. I'm just coming down from the adrenaline rush that I've obviously just had at uh, the cart circuit. Yes. Where we filmed that lap um real moment of honor in my career uh, okay. we shall reveal that at some point in the pod we won't give it okay. away just yet oh brilliant okay well i have not ruined that one it was a pretty nifty lap yeah i mean we can talk about it now if you want yeah he brings his own helmet yeah and he's pretty nifty in a car i yeah i don't like to run the hairnet operation it's a bit it's a bit low rent even for me uh, i must say I'm, I'm a total um Total ponce when it comes to running my my own helmet. I'll run the suits, anything else, the, even the garden gloves that were given to me as well. Those are a bit peculiar. They actually almost like lube up the steering wheel. Like the, they make the grip so much worse. You could hold it a lot tighter. <laughs> are you going? Are you going on the Jesus juice again? Huh? We saw what happened last time. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not doing well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roll you're, the lap. Roll the lap. You're barred from drinking on podcasts now. I heard. Here we go. James Harvey Blair, you've just done your lap on the pit stop car and fastest lap here at Brentwood Karting. How do you think you've done? Pretty well. I mean, it's it's not the most intimidating looking leaderboard I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> to be honest, but I'd be pretty flat out disappointed if uh, I wasn't on for a podium at least. I will say, your first few laps were in the 36s. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a positive start. <laughs> so, looking at the benchmark. I think it's quite a high benchmark, really. Yeah, well, well. Let's see. James Harvey Blair, you did the pit stop karting fastest lap in a 30. Yeah. 
There's definitely some meat on the on, on the bone. Yeah. Future guests. You don't seem that excited. Right? I, I am excited. I'm internalising it. It's often when drivers win championships and things, you'll sort of just go into themselves, and later the emotion comes out. So we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. James, top of the leaderboard. All right. Surprise, surprise. <sighs> it was fun while it lasted. Being at the top. And uh, back to the flat. Well, ladies and gents, hope you enjoyed the uh, stupendous lap that James put in. Obviously, smoked. Both of us. If you get a, a legit active racing driver on, I'd I'd be pretty surprised if they couldn't beat me by. I'd say to the tune of like four to six tenths. I'd I'd expect to be that far off. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I ain't gonna have one of these, but James, there you go, oh, my excellent. friend. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, that's what I really. Glass of red fuel. You know what happens last time, so yeah, yeah I'll stick no, clear I out. mean, you got you guys have proven that you can't handle it, whereas I myself managed to well, yeah. get through that relatively unscathed. You're just an honourable man, James. When you're Some of us doing that, and yeah. spinning, does it make you what, nervous? What are you thinking? Are you thinking this room? looks cheap? Because yeah. it is. <laughs> um, yeah, at least it's a cab sav. I like a cab sav. Well, you strike me as a cab sav kind of bloke. That's why I bought it. Yeah, the, the thumbprints on the edge of the glass will make for a little bit of extra texture yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Quite good, actually. Not bad on the nose. Do you want me to leave the cap off and let it breathe? I think it needs a lot more than that. <laughs> anyway. You just have the bottle. There you go. Yeah, thanks, mate. I look very French now, I feel. But... Um, yeah, no, the lap, lap went well. Um, like I, I said to you in the car, it had a bit of an Indy 500 setup operating on it because when I let go of the steering wheel down the straight, it just veered to the right, which usually means there's some kind of bend in it or whatever. But it was meant for the first two corners because the, the two right-handers, so you essentially just move the wheel about that much and it just flies around them. <laughs> Beautiful. I went from on your Instagram, went all the way to the bottom, and there's like loads of pictures of you carved. Heavens, yeah. So, I, was real, I was real into myself. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously this is what we spoke about every time we've seen you, and we've always said we want the full story on the pod. Like, I want, yeah. you know, how you, how you got from New Zealand to here, the whole the career. And the, yeah, I want the career. Yeah. I want to go back to the beginning. How do you start out life wanting to be a Formula 1 driver and ending up as an insurance broker? You want, you want the, <laughs> That's the, an interesting story. cradle to grave on that one. Well, here we go. It's a little sip. This is going to be great. Yeah. Sit back. Story time's coming. Oh. Um, my racing career, my own racing career, for those of you who aren't aware that I actually had one, fair enough, if you weren't aware, um, <laughs> all started on a rainy November's morning in Auckland. Dad had just got back from a business trip uh, where they went to the Nürburgring. So while he was in the Nürburgring, he was having a bit of a go around the circuit like you can do when you visit there. Um, and thought, oh, I'll get James into karting. Like, that'd be fun. Um, and so he comes back from Germany, gives me a Nürburgring hat. He goes, oh, I've booked you in a go-kart for, you know, later on this morning, essentially. I was just like, oh, what the... I was about 11 years old at the time. It was yeah. 2009. Um, so I went down to kart track, gave it a go, pissing down with rain. Absolutely <laughs> chucking it. Jumped in my mate's kart, who... Uh, it was a stranger to me at the time, but he was third in the country, so it had a number three on it. So I was just like, oh, okay, well, it's a cool place to start. Jumped in. It was absolutely useless, but loved it. There's uh, probably a similar story to what you guys have heard from professional racing drivers a lot. You know, they're yeah, terrible yeah. at karting, but they you know, kept chipping right. But there would be a, a lot of them a lot younger than 11. Ex yes, quite. I'll but use that as my first excuse as to why I didn't make it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I had to go. I, I mean, like everyone else, you know, same sob story as everybody else. I was lapped in my first race, and then I'm, now I'm a professional racer. Well, I didn't, I'm not a professional racer racing driver but I was lapped in my first race 
Um, so we've got that in common. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just casting from when I was 11 all the way through. There was a couple of moments in my sort of mid-teens where I kind of really thought, like, you know, I think I can go out and be a racing driver. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was sort of 16, 17, that realisation had sailed um, and just turned out, you know, I'm not, this isn't going to be a career for me. And even if I could try and make it a career, which I could have tried, um, it wouldn't have been a very profitable one. It would have put my parents under ridiculous financial stress. It would have put myself under that, you know, knock on effect of that stress as well. It wasn't going to be for me. Um, so I then pivoted into doing something completely different that wasn't car racing and just sort of refigure out what I want to do with my life. Um, so that was good. But no, I got, a, I got a couple of good karting results. I won a national title in 2015 in New Zealand. Sick. Um, but I had the uh, <laughs> I had the fortune and misfortune of being teammates with Marcus Armstrong when oh, I would have been 16, 15, 16. So is that when you met Marcus for the first time? Yeah, I think so. So he would have been about 12 probably the first time i met him i was like 15 oh wow um and he was just at the cart track and uh no one really liked marcus and so we can get into that <laughs> later <laughs> but basically the reason why people didn't like him was because he won so much yeah and by so much and people were throwing all sorts of cheating accusations at him and like they they were just not true like what he, carts he were these? that good but they quick carts like quicker than what we just did today significantly yeah yeah, yeah. so these, these were rotax carts which a lot of the guys you've got on your board there they'll be familiar with rotax engines it was it's an austrian company called brp produced these karting engines that were you know we usually raced in new zealand uh there's other categories and all that kind of stuff but this is what was popular for us mm. uh and so i firsthand got to watch a young marcus armstrong just play with his food basically when he was racing locally in new zealand i saw him he won the national race by a margin of 22 seconds in a 28 lap race in the rain and the guy who finished second was no slouch like no slouch do you know who he was the guy in second yeah i'm not going to name and shame because that is a bit that's a bit rough but he's (laughs) he's still driving professionally the guy who no i'll tell you i'll tell you after but (laughs) so yes being next to that in a team environment kind of you can go yeah yeah He's going to make it. Mm. I'm not going to make it. Especially when you're it. that bit older as well. I you guess. can see it. You can see it straight exactly. away. Exactly. Did like, you fucking hate him first as well? Or did you get along with him? I, I, I hated him. I loathed yeah. him. I was on the bandwagon. I was like, yeah, that fucking <laughs> kid from Christchurch is definitely cheating. There's no way anyone can be that much better than I am. Like, that's not possible. Um, and then the meaner and meaner it got. I mean, to the point where he'd have like carting dads, like the size of most rugby league players, like threatening to beat him up at the weekends. I was like, why is he doing so? Right, he's not that bad. He's all right. He's actually an all right kid. And so, and then we got to know each other a little bit. I just sort of, you know, slapped him on the shoulder and be like, everyone's a dick to you for no reason, mate. You're, you're a good peddler. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Um, and then we sort of, yeah, we hung on to that friendship, which turned into, you know, our own podcast now. But anyway, going back to my own racing, uh, yeah, I mean, I did a couple of bits and pieces in Formula Ford and things like that, but I was pretty realistic from when I was 16. It's quite funny, because when we first met you at the Quadrant video with Lando yeah. and everyone else, we thought you were a racing driver. Yeah. Like, we just assumed, like, because really you were with everyone else. I was like, fucking hell, this guy's quick. Yeah. Like, this happens, guy's the shit. It actually happens a lot. Even on weekends uh, where there's a race going on, and I'm not even holding helmets or anything or around any of the other drivers, I'll check into the... And they'll be like, are you a driver? You look like one. And I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> No, but let me tell you about my national championship in 2015. Go for it. <laughs> and I'll proceed to bore them to tears. 
Is you were saying in the car earlier that people think that you're like a, the, the lad's manager or something, or that they tell you the lad's the no, driver. yeah. So, I mean, technically, I half manage some of them sometimes. Um, Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally, sexually, physically, yeah, all the important yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, that they, they used to. If we were out in the bars and stuff like that, especially when I was in a relationship, some of the other boys would always like to wind me up, and they'd go and tell girls and carry on. That guy's like all of our manager. He's like richer than all of us put together. Like <laughs> you know, you want to get on that train. And so, like next thing you know, I'd have some girl come up to be like, "Do you want to buy me a drink?" And I'd be like, "No. <laughs> why, why would I want to buy you a drink? I haven't met you before." I can't afford that shit. Um, and then I just see them giggling in the corner. I'd be like, oh, you fucking That's jokes. <laughs> but, yeah. So they love to try and stitch you up like that. How young did you meet Clem? Uh, I met Clem sort of through social media when. Clem and Marcus were teammates karting in Europe. So we've okay. sort of both played that role of Marcus's teammate in karting. Clem's just a bit quicker than I am. Um, but you, ra- you raced against Clem as well? Or? No, never raced against Clem. No. We've done, we did the same event once in Vegas, um, but that was it. Uh, so, no, I met Clem through the podcast. He was our first guest on our podcast. Um, and then was just so good that we kind of, kept him around you know just if anything just to boost morale uh and didn't he worm his way in he wasn't actually part 100%, of the, the pot at first 100 so. wormed his way in when we set up the company marcus and i were 50 50 shareholders mm. um clem has now quite he's got 30 percent of the shares <laughs> i don't know how um it's so it's broken up he's a great guy to have around though. yeah it it's, bro- it's now broken up 30 percent between the three of us and rory has 10 so um, it works well, and, and we can use the extra hands. We can use the extra chat. It's it's, it's good. And now you live with him. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if I can say I live with him more that he pays for the place that I live in, and he is sometimes there. And you live there, yeah, because uh, he's always traveling. So he basically got this new flat in London, and I was kind of between places, and. Um, he said, oh, mate, well, why don't you just move in with me? And I was like, I can't swing your kind of rent, mate. Like, I cannot afford to pay 50% of that. Thanks for the offer, though. And he said, no, 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 no. Just, just take a room. I don't care. Like, I just want the company. So I was like, oh, all right, grass. I'll, I'll, jump in, I'll jump in the spare room there. And so that's where I've been for the past eight months. And I, I genuinely think Clem has probably spent less than 10 nights there. Really? <laughs> it's, it's, I was going to say, every time I come around, he's never there. He's always traveling. He's always got something to do. He's either DJing or he's racing or he's, you know, playing tennis with his mum. He's a very strange man and very difficult man to pin down. Um, but he's great fun. Like you say, he's good to have around. How'd you pay him back? Did you cook for him? Give him a back massage or anything? Or? I'm, look, I'm open to anything. I've made all sorts <laughs> of elaborate offers, but he won't, he won't accept a penny or a favor. So, um, no, we'll, we'll just keep running. I gave him 30% of a company of that. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. You could really ask for more, to be fair. That's not insignificant. Well, didn't you have a pretty bad crash? Yeah. When did that happen? That was 2016. That was November 2016. Uh, So I I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. Maybe just turned 20. That's young. Yeah. But this is at the point where you're already kind of accepting that you aren't going to be a racer. Well and truly. Well and truly. So they do this event every year in las vegas called the super nationals so it's the sort of it's the american super bowl of karting which sounds like a really fast stretch but all the sort of best drivers in the world will typically go there or a few good handful of them big teams um so they invited you down yeah absolutely i 
much like a Formula 2 seat, I actually paid my way in there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I showed up, I wanted to give it a crack. Uh, and they set up this essentially street race. So it's like a Monaco in a big, big car park just off the Vegas Strip. Uh, so you're still pulling sixth gear and you're probably hitting around about, I don't know, maybe 90 odd miles an hour what cars um, was it? on those circuits. So those are what they call a stock Honda, uh, which I think is a 125cc engine. I could be totally wrong on that. Um, and it's got six gears to it. And you don't, the way they work, you don't even lift off the throttle when you change gear. They you flat shift. So you keep your foot pinned and you just pull the thing. You're very familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pulling. Not so much these days. <laughs> yeah, no, no, none these days at all. <laughs> but yeah, so no, the proper sticky tires, front wheel brakes, six gears, yeah, probably hitting around about somewhere in the region, 90 miles an hour uh, on this street track. And so they set up the circuit by having these literally like traffic barriers. So when you go down the motorway and you know they've got those sort of uh, orange, white, orange, white, orange, white thing, plastic things, bunch of those mm -hmm. set up a racetrack with a few curbs involved. Um, so I'd done it once before. I did it in 2015 and went horrendous. And then 2016 was like my sort of second but last crack at it. So I'd actually decided before I went to this race that that was going to be my last one. I was done. I was moving into my career in insurance. I'd had my job offer to make my start there. Um, and I was, I was going to finish that race and then come in and say to my family and sort of closer team around me, like, I'm, that was it, I'm done. Um, a lot like in the way, you know, that scene in The Wolf of Wall Street where Margot Robbie's having sex with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. And then afterwards goes, that was the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted that kind of vibe <laughs> <laughs> with my parents. <laughs> and <laughs> so, but unfortunately, fate intervened. And... Uh, in one of the heat races, I think it was the third heat race. Uh, it was the third heat race. I went out and got involved in this crash down the straight. Uh, I'll show you the video. You um, have a video of it? Yeah, it's on YouTube. No. Um, Play yeah. it now. Fucking adverts. Oh, ads. Are you not running YouTube Premium? We have YouTube Premium. I mean, we're not paying our rent. <laughs> so is this. So this, is, this is on board me. Oh. And so I went under those barriers. So this is a slow motion replay. Well, so you it. came out of the, the car? Or oh, yeah. So I got basically... <laughs> oh, my word. And then my teammate damn. was behind me. Boom goes the dynamo. So you can, this, is, this is on board my teammate behind me. But he fucking barged you, man. Yeah, it was he real bad. He barged you. <laughs> it was real bad. That's bad, bro. So there was... Yeah. Wait, when you, when you said like 90 miles an hour, I just assumed it was a car, not carting. No, no, no. Carts. Yeah, they, they get up there. That's arguably more dangerous than having a piece of metal around you, right? Cause you could say that, yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, from head to toe, I mean, the, the injuries I had from that one, uh, I obviously knocked myself out, chipped a couple of teeth in the back there. I broke my C5, no, C4 vertebrae, uh, which is right up here in my neck. Um, I dislocated my shoulder. I broke a couple of bones in my left hand. I had burns on my neck. Uh, I think I broke my right leg here in about three places all around the knee. I broke my left foot, which was a real bastard, having a broken right leg and a broken left foot. I mean, that didn't even let me walk. Oh, my God. Um, I that. And then I, had, I got this third-degree burn on my leg here because when I woke up from you know, the aftermath of the crash, my leg was just sat on the exhaust pipe, which uh. runs hot is it still can you still see it now oh yeah, yeah. i know you guys love it a, a close-up yeah, of a scar can we the, 
Can yeah. we see it? No. Sick puppies. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. Can we film oh, it for a clip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me milk it. Um, that's that's it. There. It's actually in a real fortunate place because like inside the bottom of my right leg. So it's um, yeah, it's pretty. No, it, it was a lot uglier. So that's like a skin graft. Yeah, there, skin graft. Yeah, from underneath my. So fire. you were knocked out, and obviously you've woke up, and your legs just sat on the exhaust. And then the scary, the worst thing was right. So I mean, I've noticed that. And I happen to know that exhausts run pretty hot. And so my instant reaction was, oh, get, get your legs off. Because I'd broken my C4 vertebrae, uh, none of my nervous system was all kind of shot. And so after I sort of went and sort of made that brain signal to myself, get up, nothing worked. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, you let your legs aren't moving. Yeah, nothing, nothing couldn't move. Um, Luckily, like I remember one of the first things I ever saw about crashing a race car, I think it was something like, I think it might have been Hamilton. And every time, or somebody told me this, when you crash, you move your toes to check you can still do everything. Mm. And so I was just, I'll move, see if I can move my toes. And this is probably all happening within the space of about a second and a half. It, it felt like days. I was going to say, no one had come over to you yet. You're still on your no, own. No, no, no. I'm still just like looking at the sky. Um, and so I, as soon as I felt my toes move, I was like, all right, it's not that bad. It's bad, but mm. it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then they cleared me from the track really quickly. Uh, the medical team came over. They did what they had to do. They shouldn't have taken my helmet off, but I was screaming at them to take it off because I was in all sorts of pain. But they shouldn't have taken my helmet off. Um, and they sat me upright, and they did the classic concussion test of how many fingers am I holding up? And I was like, two. <laughs> and then because it was in the States, like, who's the president? And bear in mind, this is November 2016. Um, we just had the election. I just went, not Hillary. And they're like, yeah, he's fine. Get him out of here. <laughs> he's cracking jokes. <laughs> he's, got, he's not concussed. But, you know, it turns out I'd, I'd broken my leg. I'd, you know, had the burn that was really bad, I'd, you know, bad concussion. So, and luckily, one of the other drivers in my team, his girlfriend was there and she was a nurse. So she could take another look at the burn and just go, like, oh, my God, that pig's breakfast of this. Mm. Redressed that sort of smells like bacon. It literally, it really did. It, it smelled like cooked flesh. So mm. that was rough. Um, and then, yeah. So after that, I mean, I had three months recovering, various different surgeries. In the states, else. you stay at the states the whole time. No, so actually, that's where a lot of my what I do now becomes a bit relevant to that day. Where so I got sent home. I spent the night in my uh, hotel room. Uh, my parents were checking on me every hour and a half hour or so because i was concussed that you need to make sure that you can't really let someone sleep with a bad concussion um thanks mate for the mid podcast host and an audio tech at the same time um and so you can't be you know they woke me up and whatever so i i wanted to race the next day so i wanted to even with them injuries yeah because i'd done a horrendous job of the same event 12 months prior and I was doing really well. I was running up in my class. I think I was I qualified like 14th or something out of 46. Uh, I was running up sort of near the top 10. So I was like, well, I at least want to make the start and then just come straight in. So I can say, at least I started what I set out to try and find. Sat myself up right in hospital, not in hospital, in my hotel the next morning. And I couldn't even sit up right without being sick. Like concussion was bad. So they're like, all right, you're not going anywhere near a racetrack. So they were taking you to the hospital. So they managed to get me in a cab, somewhat leaning back and whatever else. And then I did probably the finest example of timing that's ever happened in my life where 
we get to the hotel lobby and they say we need to see someone and they go all right how urgent is it and then i passed out (laughs) so i got to bed pretty quick um but that day in hospital they ran all the scans so i spent eight or nine hours in hospital and the bill came to seventy two thousand us dollars oh my god yeah that's fucked because uh, in America it's different with that stuff, right? You have to pay. Obviously, we here have NHS. We're really lucky with that. But yeah, but even if you're visiting here, like most nationals will get taken care of by the NHS. But there's still an element of, you know, you, you'd have to pay for something if you weren't paying tax in this country. Then you probably couldn't have, you know, cancer yeah, yeah, treatment yeah. or something. You know, I don't know. But there's there's a line gets drawn somewhere. But in the states, it's it's just open season. They absolutely hammer you with the medical bills. So it's seventy-two thousand uh, dollars US. So I've had a hundred k in That's New Zealand money. Crazy. Um, and sure enough, standard travel insurance policy wording, which I now am somewhat familiar with, uh, doesn't cover racing of any kind. So we didn't have insurance for this medical bill. So through various litigation ins and outs, it's a long paper trail that I won't get totally into. We managed to recover a certain amount of money from the organisations or whatever, but it was a real legal arm wrestle. Uh, and so we sent, we gave the hospital a certain amount of money and they fucked off. But that's now what I do, part of what I do for a living. I was going to say, is that why you got into what you do now? Yeah, and it's why... It, so what I do now, for those at home who um, aren't in the motorsport insurance purchasing market, um, is I sell motorsport insurance to drivers, a lot of them being karting drivers all the way up to Formula 1, essentially. Um, for if they do get hurt somewhere in a foreign country, then the expenses are taken care of. Like Who's some get, of your biggest clients? Can you say? No, I can't. But I mean, I can say who I've quoted, I guess, a couple of times. But that's kind of by the by. But if you, so a client of mine had a crash at the Nurburgring recently at, mm-hmm. in a professional race there, and had to get a heli. He's fine. Had to get a helicopter uh, evacuation from the Nurburgring to the hospital. Because obviously, wherever you crash on the Nurburgring, you got to get to them yeah it was like nine miles long or something exactly stupid, it? Yeah. so that's about five and a half thousand euros just that the helicopter ride to the hospital and someone's got to pay for that mm. um and a lot of the time now fortunately it's my insurers uh so going back to the carding point if we now have you know kiwi carters whoever from whatever country you're from if you're going to the united states to race you need insurance for if this happens to you and sure. mine was only nine hours like if you ended up in some kind of medically induced coma or you know god knows what happens and you need to be there for you'd be racking up probably the better part of 100 grand a day ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com wow yeah so it's relatively important uh to have the insurance and i'm a walking billboard for the product I have yeah, for Carson. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is it's super important. And it's close to my heart, obviously, because it's an issue that's affected me and my family, and now I can sell something in the financial services mm. sector and actually say I'm making a positive difference, which yeah, not a lot yeah. of people might be able to do. Does it still affect you now, like any of the injuries? Do you feel anything? Do you have any, like, you know, stuff you can't yeah, do? Yeah, I can't really run because... Uh, so this leg that was broken here... You can still and, fucking dance. I saw you at <laughs> yeah. Silverstone. Oh, yeah. 
but I can't run. It's a real blessing in disguise, actually. Mm. Um, because they had to address the burn on this leg, they couldn't put a cast on my leg. So they just, while I wasn't really doing anything, I was pretty immobile for three months. They said, we're just going to have to let it sit there. Well, um, and heal. So I've been, and they'd say, oh, we need to break it all over again if we were to fix it up. And I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll, I'll take the train. I'm fine. You know, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. So no, there's that. And then <laughs> my girlfriend always laughs at me. Whenever it gets cold, it, it kind of plays off again. So, so the cold weather hurts my knee at age 25. I'm 26 now, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, wow. it was a tough one. How many people know that? Have you ever spoken about that much? Uh, yeah, people who know me know it. Yeah. But yeah, people probably aren't, who follow my social media probably aren't too aware. Speaking of your following, mate, we were chatting about this earlier. You have like a, an army. Like I feel like the Screaming Mills fans are... They're like so loyal. If it was an army, it would be probably the New Zealand army because yeah. uh, it's just small, uh, co- committed, passionate, and we appreciate very, very that you're committed. there, but very small. Your engagement um, is like insane. Yeah, it's a weird one, the new podcasting gig, because mm. I'd sort of, yeah, you, you write it off, like when you just go into a normal career. I knew, you know, I had fancy mates from the day I started my first day in an insurance job, but that was kind of like, oh, your mate's in Formula 3. That's cool. All right, here's the work you need to get done today. And it's all that kind of stuff, which is fine. I totally accepted that. And then when Marcus asked me to be on his podcast, I was kind of like, oh, my life's probably about to be a little bit different to what I'm used to. Mm. Uh, And that's the fortunate position. I'm glad that this has all come about in a point in my life where I I really don't need the accreditation of a certain amount of followers or, or what have you it's just it it's kind of it's fun and it's nice that a lot of people like what i'm doing but ultimately it, it doesn't push my buttons you know i think people love the commentary yeah oh, the, the commentary the commentary on races is a lot of fun yeah i think i slagged you off on the last one i did did you yeah um yeah we'll find it somewhere <laughs> um but no it's good fun like because it, it all stems from a group of a lot of the stuff that we do at Screaming Meals, which is our channel, um, is derived from a, a radio station in New Zealand called Radio Hauraki. Yeah, you've shown me the videos when I've been at yours, like or the YouTubes of that come from the fishing show, yeah. and then there was the cooking show that you were like, you like that. It's yeah. interesting to see the behind the scenes of why you guys like to yeah, do Yeah, I what don't you know do. that. Why is it called Screaming Meals? Yeah, so my involvement in the conception of Screaming Meals is kind of twofold in that. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. So I think I went around to Marcus's place and we were going to go out for dinner later that evening. And while I was around at his place, I showed him Screaming Reels, which is a fishing show. It's a comedy fishing show from New New Zealand in the early 2000s um, from a a couple of guys called Jason Hoyt and Lee Hart. And I showed him this and he thought it was absolutely hilarious. And then, you know, some time passes and we go out out for dinner. And Marcus is going through his phone. He's taking photos of what is meal turns out to be you know he's, he's of that generation and um he goes i've got all these photos of food on my phone but i've got nowhere to post them why you know i might start a food blog or something just for me to talk some shit and yeah i don't know, post some photos of my food i don't know and so he said okay girl, well, what should we call it and i said why don't we call it screaming meals instead of screaming reels mm-hmm. and he was like that's funny and that's as, as much thought went into the screaming meals name full stop so then he did this food blog on Instagram for a while. And then by the time that we just... He said to me he wanted to do a podcast, just a podcast. Um, 
And then I said, okay, right, so what you want to make sure you're doing is you want to make sure you own all the content. You don't want to work for somebody else and they own it and you get bossed around. You want to make sure that you're outright, you can do what you want. Whatever. And he goes, okay, yeah. Do you want to just come to the meeting that I've got set up with Rory, as it turned out? Because basically I was worried that Rory was just going to take the And Rory, take- for the people at home who don't know Rory is, for our listeners, he's a guy who films Chasing the Dream, Theft 2. Yeah, so he produces his, co- his company, and him, that's all him himself at the moment, uh, produces F2, Chasing the Dream. So that's all sent really just one guy. It chucks that out in a week. He's and pretty, it's amazing. He's that very one impressive. Guy. He's really, really talented. He's his talent's so wasted on us. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite sad. But um, he see he uh, he was there. And we met with Rory, and he said, you know, he told me oh, I want you to be a part of the podcast. And I said, well, Screaming Meals is your food blog. It already kind of has its own. It's already somewhat of a brand. I mean, you just use that, and so we landed on it. Uh, and so then the rest is history that's available on YouTube. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> as you guys probably yeah, yeah, it's a rocky know history. too much about. Um, do you want to talk about F1? Yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about a bit of F1. Who's yeah. the best driver on the grid? Uh, Max, for me. Yeah? Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Would you, what would, you, would you like to hear any justification as to why? Uh, I don't think we need it, but yeah, go ahead, sure. He's the fastest. Makes um, sense. That's fair. Yeah, it was very Will Buxton of me, actually. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think... There's there's a theory that's popular amongst the the drivers, especially in sort of F2, and, and I think it's not too far off correct, is that the generation of talent that we have coming through at the moment is is better set up to be as good as they are. Keep up with me here. Because they've been professional athletes from day one. Like their first time in a go-kart, yeah. it was there was probably five people watching and there was data systems, there was timing, they could know everything about what the engine's doing and then they'd come in at like six to eight years or whatever yeah. and study data and look at where they can improve. So from the first time they ever stepped in a car, they've had that information available to them. You can't say that for, uh, you know, your Kimi Raikkonen's, your Alonso's, all those guys. So they're obviously Hamilton, arguably Raikkonen and Alonso, they all clung in there. They're probably an exception to the rule, but I think that's probably why you'll never see, you know, guys like Hulkenberg, Magnussen. So anyone sort of, over 30 is at that disadvantage from day one to your Norris, your Verstappen, your Piastri, because mm. they've just been it's been more like work for them than it has been a hobby since day one. Um, and that's why Lewis is so impressive, is because he came up without that and he's just adapted. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the fastest driver is Max, the best driver, I think, is a different discussion. I think that Lewis is, you could probably make the argument that he's more complete. Than Max is just a, and you only get that through experience. Further down in his career, yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe peak Hamilton, you might argue, will be better than peak Verstappen if he decides to hang up the helmet before he's won as much as he yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, this or, is where we know. get stuck because we didn't watch peak Hamilton. Like we've only seen highlights yeah. and we know he's got the records, but we weren't watching F1. Well, no. I mean, there's no reason to say that peak Hamilton hasn't happened yet. I mean, he's probably pushing that argument. Do you reckon? Well, I mean. <laughs> Everyone, you know, you improve and you get better every, every every year. That that's true. I mean, look at Scott Dixon and everything he achieves in IndyCar. He's won th- the three of the last four races of IndyCar in a season where he hadn't won yet. Because and he's forty. I want to say he's forty-two, maybe even forty-three now. Scott Dixon. Yeah. Wow, it's the same age as Alonso. Maybe. He's older than Alonso. I'm Is pretty really? sure he's older than Alonso. Fuck. And kicking ass of you know nineteen and upwards year olds. And he's in Marcus's IndyCar. teammate, right? 
Yes, he is. You'll edit that bit of the... Yes, he's Marcus. <laughs> yes, he's Marcus's teammate, yeah. So but I think that like, even Alonso is not in his... Like, it could be in his prime now. No, well, exactly. And like you look at the way that Alonso approaches the race, he, he might not always have the pace on Lance. That's Most of the time, yeah, he might do. But even when he doesn't, he'll find a way to beat him in the race. And mm-hmm. you know, being the fastest race driver and being the fastest qualifying driver, as we saw last year with Leclerc taking, I think, most of the pole positions last year. Very, very different beasts. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's my take. I think yeah, Max is the fastest. So looking at like the next couple of years coming up from F three, F two, you know who who deserves that seat? Obviously, we all we know Ollie Berman. Yeah, what decent. do you mean by that seat? What Sergio's seat or any any seat? Any available? I, I seat? know you know the younger guys and yeah. you know a lot of the talents. Like who do you think will be an F one driver in years to come? Well, they're different. Having a they're look d- at the they're two very different questions in in recent. So like the next couple of years. 24, yeah. 25, 26. So the, the two questions of who do you think deserves it and who do you think will be it, they're two very different questions mm. with very different answers. Um, there's a lot of guys that deserve it. I, I strongly believe there's an oversaturation of talent mm-hmm. at the moment in motorsport for the top level, and that's even crept into IndyCar now as well. It's pretty tough to get a seat in IndyCar now. Like the silly season they've just gone through, it doesn't get as much press as uh, the F1 stuff, but it goes off. It's wild. Really? Like when I was there in Indianapolis, between the between Nashville and Indianapolis Road Race, the drivers who I just hung out with playing golf, like the amount of rumors and shit that I heard, and just that week was insane. Like it was better than any F one really? silly season. If you're into that kind of stuff, I personally don't love the drama of it, especially when the my mates involved. Mm. But um, yeah, that's that's a real eye opener is the silly season and and IndyCar. But anyway, no, getting back to your point, I mean, if you look at, I mean. Porsche's done a lot to to stick his hand up for that Sauber seat that's just gone the way of Guan Yu Zhou. Yeah, it's just gone, isn't it? Um, but I think when you look at Guan Yu Zhou's record, it's it's pretty hard to argue with why you would get rid of him. And he, I know that he threw. I don't know where it comes from, but he does produce a lot of money as well and income for the team, especially being the only Chinese driver. He's got a you know that's a market of one point whatever it is billion people right now. Yeah. Who want an F1 driver? And yeah. There's your F1 yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. Has Sport Sarge doesn't... re-signed yet? No. He hasn't, but they promised him a seat right for next year. Yeah, a lot of stuff gets promised in motorsport that doesn't yeah. necessarily always yeah, get yeah. delivered, but I'd like to see Logan get a second shot at it for sure. I think he's been un- unfairly judged next to Albon. Uh, I think the press and a lot of the fans are just so flavour of the week on Albon. One minute he's amazing, and then if he has one bad race, you go, know, well, he was shit compared to Max Verstappen. Or, or, okay, do we like this guy or do we not like this guy? Mm. It, all right, make, Alex is really good. And he has, I don't know how many years, I haven't counted experience on Logan this year. Logan's pace has been there when it's needed to be. He just needs to finish the job. But, yeah, for me, I'd like to see him get another shot. Because I don't really, who else would you put in there, Williams? Mm. DeVries, maybe? Dragovic? Yeah, I mean, Felipe's done an interesting thing by going completely uncommitted, pretty much through his whole single-seater career, and then at the end of it, because when you win F2 or F3, you cannot compete in that championship again. Yeah. You can't come back. Then at the end of it, decided which one he wanted to tie, you know, hitch his wagon to, which I think is actually a really smart idea because you end up giving a lot of free labor to these F1 teams that sign you. And sure, like your first set of overalls, you're going to sleep in them. But after three, four weeks, three, four months, three, four years, 
it's pretty tiring the same routine and you're just living on their simulator for them doing all their well, development he's got to be at every race right he's got to be fit enough to yeah. hop in that car if he needs to be so that ferrari last year that was relatively handy marcus basically developed that car in the ferrari sim for them really but gets none of the thanks doesn't get to drive it <laughs> so robert and marcus to robert's credit as well would have put that thing together they would have you know given a lot of the feedback there will have been a lot from charles and carlos as well for sure it's like same with mick at mercedes at the minute yeah yeah exactly yeah. and even um anthony davidson gets nowhere near as much credit as he deserves for developing the mercedes dominance period he was on this um probably every week every couple of weeks really and it, no one really talks about it that's a bit odd mm. i think but how have you found it as a mate with, like, Clem, Marcus racing? And all your other friends that you know are racers, like, not only travelling around the world with them and going to watch them race, but, like, I don't know. How do you find that? Because you go to all of them, or at least a lot of them. A lot of them. Definitely not all of them. I don't have that kind of energy. But uh, it's, it's a weird one. It's a, lot more, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more, and it's a lot less fun at the same time. Because it's great to be invested in it and... You know, you want your mates to do well, you're watching them, you're watching the moves they make, you're sort of critiquing them, although I've got absolutely no right to do so. Uh, same shit everyone does at home, but it just means that little bit more to you, I, I think. Well, I know mm -hmm. from watching other races where I don't have mates. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, the sort of the human side of it is a little bit challenging at times. Like, I'm not super stoked about the idea of Marcus racing on ovals next year, because that is the most dangerous thing you can do on four wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, within reason but yeah and so you you want to see your mates do well but at the same time when the, you know you, they're doing 370 kilometers an hour that's still it's a very strange concept to go to a racetrack and watch the speed they do and actually almost take the car out of it and think of like if they were just levitating that's my mate's human body yeah. at that speed which is <clears throat> ridiculous do you think about it because when i i mean obviously we're not as close with like clem and marcus as you are obviously but mm. i mean we still consider them like a friend of ours you know and you know, I don't think about the fact that they, you know, they could have a bad crash until it happens. I don't think about anything necessarily happening to them, but I've, you know, through even just what I've been through in my own crashes and stuff like that, that's, I always hate it when they don't play the replay on TV straight away. I remember at Silverstone I've, when we were sitting there. really, really, really there was gets a red under flag my skin. And we had no idea what was going on. Uh, and oh. that's, and that genuinely is, it's not me just being neutral, but that's for anyone. Like, I hate to see any crash because i what if i'm insuring somebody who's doing it um but you you really it's just awful like when it's when it goes really bad like grosjean's shunt was still blows my mind there's a lot of stuff that blows my mind you know in 2003 when uh actually scott dixon won his first indycar championship in texas there was a shunt there that ended that race and it was the highest g-force ever recorded on a human body that was survived it was it was the gnarliest crash wow. you can ever set your eyes on and so yeah, there's that, and you know it exists. And but these guys are more than happy to die in the car. Really, you know, like mm. I've spoken, you know, to Marcus about it a little bit, and he goes, "Yeah, happy to die in the car." They didn't really think about it. They love you can't it. afford they love to think racing. about it. If, you, if you're thinking about it, then you're not going anywhere. And actually, the mindset of a racing driver is actually quite interesting, uh, or any top level performing athlete, right? So, what they want is to win, and that's just the only thing on their mind so when i was racing in hindsight where i probably went wrong with my approach i'd be sitting on the grid or, or going into a weekend and thinking oh top 10 would be great if i can be in the top 10 i'd be really happy with that and there's nothing wrong with that yeah but you know marcus was going and being like i'm winning this weekend and, and 
he probably wouldn't have even given thought to what if I don't win this weekend. It's just, I, well, I'm going to win. And when you don't win, annoyed if you're second, you're devastated. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I was I was lucky enough to be there in Hungary last year. And Marcus qualified second in the grid. I've never seen anyone more pissed off in my life. Did Marcus win F two? No, no, he didn't. Very much not. He finished thirteenth three years in a row. Righto. Yeah, but like, he's won in F two. So no, he's won races in F two. I remember, him, I remember him winning in F two because that's when I first messaged him. Yeah. That's right. I remember, and he messaged me. Did you know, this weirdo messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> this weird guy has messaged me asking because the show hadn't even launched really. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I messaged him like right at the beginning. Yeah. And to be fair to him, he got back to me. Yeah. And no, he said he was up for it, and then it was all that time later. We yeah. I thought got fucking Marcus Armstrong was an astronaut. Like, that's how that. much I knew back in the day. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's the third most famous Armstrong to ever live. Wow. Yeah. Do you think there was a part of him that, and again, I should be asking him this, so maybe when he comes on, he can answer it. But do you think there was a part of him that? Uh, was bummed that he wasn't going to F1 and he was going to IndyCar or not? How, how, would, an, how would an F2 driver see that, do you think? Yeah, I'd say in most instances, yes. Uh, they would be, there's an element of a tail between your legs, you know, but getting into Formula 1, no one's really blaming people for not cracking F1 anymore because mm. it is that tight. Yeah, yeah. But for Marcus's specific situation, uh, going from Formula 2 to Chip Ganassi to be racing alongside scott dixon for us is like for, as kiwis who love motorsport i mean that's like getting the call up to be you know the second striker next to harry kane or whatever if you're a massive football fan or you know that you're going to be one of me. brady's receivers in your first year playing in the nfl that's what it's like for us so yeah. i mean it's yeah so that's the coolest way that you can and then he goes and gets Indy rookie car. of the year. And he's got, he got rookie of the year without so. doing the ovals. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's done a really good job this year. Uh, and I'm, I'm super proud of him. But, there, yeah, I mean, there's certain people who doubted him going into the year. Uh, but I've, when, when Marcus has a good car, he's I'm way up there. I, I personally think he probably struggles a little bit in a mediocre car. Like, there's drivers like Yuri Vips is probably one of them. Christian Lungard's another who are really good at extracting that result from a pretty mid car. But if they were both in a quick car, I'd probably put Marcus right there with them, if not quicker. What is Yuri doing at the minute? Uh, so he raced the last two rounds of the IndyCar Championship at Portland and Laguna Seca. So he is, right? I didn't know that he was in IndyCar now. With Ray Hall. Yeah, so he's been sniffing around the Ray Hall team pretty much all season mm-hmm. um, and finally got a shot for the last couple of races of the year. Uh, did a really good job. And then, yeah, it, IndyCar, silly season. We'll take care of the rest and see what he does next year, same as a lot of other guys. But there's a few guys on longer deals now in IndyCar. So that's also going to become a difficult avenue to crack. So I think, and we actually talked to James Hinchcliffe about this a little bit, and maybe there's something happening. But there's an appetite out there for another top-level single-seater race car series, I think. And it's, it's not Formula E. I think Formula E is a, is a beast of its own. And it's great, and the race craft is awesome, and I will always watch two or three races a year. But you know, it is—it's mm. still—it's not going to push the buttons of all the fans. Um, so I think there's there's room for another series. It's just going to take about a hundred million euros and a lot of work. So mm. yeah, see how we go. <laughs> well, you come top on the cart in leaderboard, and we have this leaderboard right here. 
You have been on the sim before when you've come round. Oh, why'd you say that? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that was really thrown you under the bus, it was wasn't a, it? It was a drunken night, so you can't count that. <laughs> yeah, people, people know that we're friends now as well. <laughs> I was hoping to get away with that. <laughs> How dare you be friends with the pistol boys? Like weird guys. Let's get you on there. Let's get a time. You can All have right. a couple of practice laps, and then we'll get three laps around Austria. We're still on the old game. Okay, yeah. We haven't upgraded to the new F1 Good. Game no, yet. no, that's fine. Yeah. It has to be fair and the same for everyone. I must say, the laps you were putting in before... On that night, they weren't the best. No, you kind of created your own line around a lot of the corners. I must say, yep. it was kind of like F1 and rally mixed together. Improvise, adapt, overcome. But it was good. It was nice. So, yep. All right, let's see what we can do. James Harvey Blair on his practice laps on the F1 game. That was actually quite good. Can I take that corner? Can I just isolate that? <laughs> we just go. What you want to do? Separate yeah, do bits. like a theory lap or something. Like put it all together. Like a sort of Beatles best of, you know. <laughs> And here he is, James Harvey Blair, around the final turn at Austria. Over the track limits. Let's see what he's done, guys. James. Yes. you just done your sim lap, all right? You were quick in the car. Yeah. Do you think you're as quick in the sim as you were in the car? Absolutely not. Realistically, where roughly do you think you may have come? Bottom. 100% of the spot. There's no way I cracked a 109. Really? You think you're back in fucking New Zealand all the it way was, down there? Yeah. That may as well I'll be that close to upside down. <laughs> may as well be back in New Zealand. <laughs> Shall I stick your thing upside down? Actually, you should. That'd be quite funny. <laughs> well, you're not, uh, you know, you're not faster than Gabby Bortoletto, which is fair enough. That's for you. To be honest, I could have told you that when I arrived today. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone out on a bit of a whim <laughs> and said, I don't think I'm as fast as Gabriel Bortoletto. Well, I can say, mate, that you have beaten Jake Boys, which is nice. Genuinely wasn't expecting that. Genuinely wasn't expecting well, that. I'm not happy about that. I mean, well, you know, look, <laughs> I don't play much PlayStation. I don't get to drive much. This is... This is not a fucking game, right? This is a sim. This is a real life thing. This oh, is sorry. Is it Xbox? Have this I is actually what, this is what... James Harvey Blair, you did the pit stop fastest lap in a 1-0-7. Oh, okay. Point. 999. Nine, nine. 5-7-1. Oh, fuck, I'll take so you're actually above me. You're beating fat. And you're just below. You're just below oh, Mikey really? Brown from Aston Martin. And he I'll actually races cars. Okay, well, there you go. So That's something. Mate, that's the... Uh, I like that. I've beaten Johnny... Well done. Let's go. I've beaten Johnny Herbert, a real F1 driver. <laughs> that's what everyone who beats Johnny Herbert says. To be fair, did you just get him down here for that kind of, like, geriatric abuse of, like... <laughs> so everyone could be like, all right. Mate, that's that's decent. That's actually all right. It's realistically where you probably should have well, come. Because who you got there, right? So you've got Benny V up top, shock of the world. Can you fucking believe that, by the way? No. Unbelievable. Um, PSG, I mean, the and then just like no surprises for that next four, the next sort of quadrant, if you will. And then Gallagher, cat amongst the pigeons, um, <laughs> head of Bordeletto and Freddie Hunt. What was he like? He, I watched his episode with you guys. Freddie it was Hunt. really interesting. Sweetheart. Just loves the Loveliest farm. Loveliest guy. Yeah. Just massive agriculture enthusiast. Really good yeah. guy. He actually went out and raced a couple of weeks after we had him on. Yeah. Unfortunately, had a crash. Oh, dear. Does he need insurance? Do you know what? He actually might. Give him my cash. He actually might. I'll send you his number. <laughs> then it cuts him on the side of the track, didn't it? Yeah, he's rolling a, a fucking cigarette. Just cigarette. Just <laughs> proper. Yeah. Love that. Proper love that. Sponsors love it. But, mate, that's mega. That's, that's a decent lap. So, uh, you're, you're not bottom. No, to be honest, that is what I was afraid of. I was, I was thinking, I can't top one sheet. So, wait, where <laughs> are you? So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You didn't make the top ten, mate. Yeah. You didn't make fine. the top ten. But I mean, okay. to be honest, I think there's, there's actually a badge of pride I can take with that because... 
the uh, the in real life fellas are not big fans of the sim guys. I can tell you that firsthand. Their, their reputation is is not good. Really? In the real life motor racing community. Oh, really? But Max quite likes it, though, doesn't he? He's got his own sim. They'll, so they all do their own sim work and stuff. But it's, uh, <laughs> like, if they're at certain driver academies, some of them have, I think the teams have sim teams now as well. And whenever they have to do training together, all of the guys in the actual cars like, oh, is that because all the sim guys think they're just so much quicker and they're 100%. like, oh, I'm better than you, but really 100%. they couldn't do it in a car? Yeah, yeah so you couldn't fit in a fucking car, mate, let alone yeah. <laughs> steer one. It's, it's completely different as well. Like The people actually driving the car are like risking their lives every time they go out. Yeah, it's well, that's my, the difference. Well, that's, I think that's why there's that margin of separation between them. They're just like, you're not fucking... <laughs> yeah. That's jokes. Well, no. mate, thanks for coming down. I do have one last question for you. I've got two questions for okay. you. Okay. Three, if you like. What's a night out like? With uh, if you're your insurance broker, what's the night out like with? Uh, if you're an insurance broker. Um, well, with with these drivers. Yeah, so constant content varies. In America, it's a lot cheaper because usually you're in like one of the flyover states, and we just go to a bar. Like Nashville was great because it was just a bar. Yeah. We had a nice. We did have a, a small section roped up, but it wasn't crazy. You had your own little set, like cordoned off. Yeah, because somebody else organised it. I wasn't involved. Mm. I was just there having a good time. Um, but if you go out in Europe and more specifically London with any of the sort of F one to three guys, be prepared for a frightening one of two things: a frightening bill, or it's completely free because somebody's so rich that they've just paid for everything. Um, and that's something that's often forgotten about Formula Two and even Formula One drivers. I spoke about it a little bit the other day, but. Um, they're all rich kids. Like, mm. There's some exceptions, but let's not forget they are exceptions. So, like, Isn't there an etiquette, though, if F2 got out of F1, that the F1 drivers have to pick the bill up? Do you know what? There used to be, I feel, but in my own experience, which is very limited, I should keep that in mind. Um, yeah, that's gone out the window recently. I was going to say, if you go out with happened. an F1 driver, they're paying for it. If you go out with an F2 driver, their mum and dad's paying for it. Well, actually, yeah. So <laughs> after after Silverstone, we were at an after party and there was an F1 driver in the corner. Um, I know who and, it was. Yeah, I saw the video. Know, I, saw, I saw the video. We know who it was. And um, he just paid for his whole table. It was just like, great. yeah, sweet. Card machine comes out on our table and I'm with Novalak, a couple of... Uh, I'm with Frankie... Um, One's photography. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one wasn't there. Uh, just sorry, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and then anyway, these how, guys. How do you have another glass of wine? Morgan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these guys in waistcoats usually come out with a card machine and basically just start prodding you with it, and you're just like, oh fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it that time? Yeah, you know, what is it? Like and then uh, bear in mind like the total bill for the table, like, what is it? Like one and a half, two thousand, they'll be like three and a half thousand. You're just like, oh, kill me. <laughs> and then you turn around and you get all your mates have gone. No. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, hey, where's Novalex? <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll be like, Oh, he paid and left and we're like, Of course he did. And then like and so, yeah, you're just left up to cut this horrendous bill between you and your real mates who have actually stuck around. Um, but so if you are with an F1 driver, it's fantastic. There'll be all sorts of shit going on, and they'll pay for it at the end. If you are with the F2, F3 drivers, usually it's like the saddest bunch of <laughs> young adults just stood around trying to figure out how they're going to cut up this massive bill for a bottle of vodka that they, quite frankly, could have bought down at Sainsbury's for about But they wanted the sparkler for the extra yeah, 15 grand. Yeah. 100%. So that's usually how they operate <laughs> you cleared the bill at dinner when we went to dinner you did clear I the did. bill at dinner I regret that <laughs> I appreciate that yeah no much. I mean yeah sometimes to sort of 
keep up the appearance that I'm operating on their level. <laughs> if there's a cheap dinner going, I'll go and pay the bill and be like, oh, got it, guys. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, always buy breakfast as well. And that applies to, on tour anywhere. Like, if you buy breakfast, that's going to be the cheapest meal of the day. Likely no booze. Uh, smallest amounts of food, cheapest food, and that gives you an out for the rest. And of the day. it's just like, oh, well, you got breakfast, so I'll get this, or I'll get. And just, I'll get that yeah. three grand bottle of champagne. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you you've got to just nuzzle yourself in there. So well, I got breakfast. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good track. All right, final question: mm-hmm. What does the future hold for James Harvey Blair? Screaming Mills, you know, insurance, anything else, anything that you want to do? Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. Um, both as far as insurance and screaming meals, what that actually looks like. We'll probably know a lot more about it over the next year. Um, big time of transition sort of for, a, you know, a large number of us. You know, Rory's looking to do some different stuff. Marcus is obviously now set up in America. Clem looks like he's going to be stepping away from F2 and into something different. Uh, and, so, and I'm just trucking along. Steering the steering the ship, making sure that nobody's getting arrested or cancelled. And um, you weren't very good at that last no, time, were you? Failed. And <laughs> basically, yeah, no, it's just more of the same, but more of the same. If that makes sense. That sound. It was very um, million dollar listing of me. That that <laughs> yeah. little snippet. Clip that up. Answer really question. More of the same, but more. I of like the same. I'm like glad it. we finally got this episode done. We've been speaking about it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the wine. It looks like you didn't. It was fine as a sipper, but again, look, it comes back to that fateful day in, I believe it was March. You've just got a sort of quantity control, you know. True. The you don't need to drink three bottles of wine on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It will name the people that you, you don't need to do anything, but, you know. <laughs> you don't need to do anything. That's true. We're waffling now. But it's we been great waffling. to be on. Yeah, mate, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Everyone, thank you for watching. Please do hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already um we'll leave all of james's socials and the links down below go and give him a follow and we'll see you guys soon goodbye